We're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike, and a guest in a moment as we are welcoming in our good buddy. I think this is now his uh, a three-peat for him joining us on our feed. We just got done joining him for his feed, Chasing the Gold, on In Session Film. Our good buddy, Ryan McQuaid, joins us today. Ryan, thank you for coming in to talk once again, and hopefully finally, for the last time, Oscars 2021. Finally. <laughs> McQuaid has come back to Mike, Mike, and Oscars. No, it's fantastic to be back here. I told you I'd be a little bit more unhinged, Nick, you know, Russell Crowe style, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about these Oscars. This is it. We're never going to talk about them ever again, guys. Uh, anybody ever talk to me? I was like, this, is a, this year is erased um, from my memory, a sort of a Men in Black style. Uh, you know, totally going to do it that way. But no, it's it's great to have the people's champ myself back on <laughs> Mike, Mike and Oscar. And the three of us are clearly punch drunk, so I don't know how this is mm-hmm. going to go. You have Glenn Close doing the butt <laughs> in your background on Skype, and this will never stop being funny, and it's probably going to come up ten, ep- 10 times this episode in your background right now. I mean, just look, yeah, just look at her. She's like shaking that. it, man. <laughs> She she's shaking it like a woman that will never win an Oscar. That's what she's shaking it like. You know what I mean? Wow. Double N, our Connecticut queen, and you. And I, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. it I mean, it looks right. It, it feels right. It, it looks right. It feels right. <laughs> I mean, I feel it's the, right. It's what the Ryan, listeners want. I feel right. It's not wrong. But listen, man. I mean, this is fitting. You are coming in for your third act of this show for 2020. And, and Mike said three times or. This is your third time, but it's actually your fourth technical episode because we did that two-parter for the fall Oscars special. That's true. It's true. After yeah. you were on for the quarter one review last year. That was year. a marathon, so, too. I remember that. That mm-hmm. was a long one. I think I wore you out, and I felt really bad about asking you again, but this is uh, this is fitting that you're back here. I'm hanging up after 40 minutes, so you guys do what you want. <laughs> No, we're going to go on for two hours. This is a telethon. We're actually going to raise money that the Academy didn't want to raise. Uh, so the big sale that, that should have been yeah, exactly. right now. All right, so let's get into it. We had our Oscars uh, recap. We did an Oscar, and Ryan was nice enough to have us on in session for an Oscars rundown and recap on his feed as well. We're just going to try to tie up some loose ends and let this be kind of one of the, uh, the last vestiges of what went down and the fallout from Oscars 2021, Michael. So where do you want to begin this journey? I want to begin with the clusterfuck at the end, and we have to begin there because I think Ryan stumbled upon something that might have fixed this situation. If there was a host and it was anybody other than Joaquin Phoenix, they (laughs) might have salvaged this situation. So, Ryan, we got two questions here, but we're curious. What do you think a host would have done for this Oscars, and then what do you think a host will do for the next Oscars? Well, I think a host provides balance and reassurance for an audience at home that is in the, a moment of of complete chaos and mm. uncertainty. I go back to a couple of years ago 
And I, I rarely try to bring up like the last five, six years because I think everyone tries to do that and it's really annoying. But <laughs> it's just true. It's like the only last five years matter and, and people are just, you know, prisoners at the moment and it's fine. But I think when La La Land and Moonlight happened, I think that that is the only comparable sort of example that you could really have in a modern era because we've had a lot of smooth transitions. And what really helped there was Jimmy Kimmel sort of trying to get to the bottom of it on stage, like literally Matt, there was going to, their whole thing was they were going to pan to him and Matt Damon sort of like sitting in each other's laps or whatever. And that was going to be the end of the show. And then they realized something was going on. He ran up there sort of joked with Warren Beatty. They got down to it. Moonlight got its Oscar. And then we, you know, have had that, infamous thing ever since last night what we had was a complete calamity a total clusterfuck um just an abomination of an ending for what was essentially what we could all agree on was a decent pretty good um passable oscars considering all the circumstances and what a host would have been able to do is transition us Maybe to Questlove, maybe to, you know, make light of the matter, you know, maybe to to provide some levity, provide some joy. These are very heavy films that we had to go through this year. I mean, you're dealing with dementia, sound loss, isolationism, racism, yeah. um, you know, these are these broad topics. And that's and, and, and then we're not even talking about uh, all the wonderful issues that uh, Tenet brought up in terms of also sound uh, problems as well um and <laughs> and and mank just because you know people hate uh black and white movies i guess um but you know there were a lot of problems with them and ultimately i think a host would have been able to provide some levity because the night felt very serious and i don't begrudge any of them they tried to make this a, like a drama, I guess. And then what they really should have made this is a drama D. That's what the Oscars are. They're a celebration. They're something we love, something we cherish. We ended up not really getting that. And then we get a clusterfuck at the end. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, it was it was like, you know, um, I can't describe why they did that. Other than if you're going to have that, you can then transition to Questlove getting out of there saying, mm-hmm. that's it. That's our night. You know, maybe be like, wow, what an upset. What a crazy moment. It's been a it's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy night. Maybe even talk about a little bit, have like a, a host come out there and say, like, okay, this is what we want to do with COVID. You know, it all you know, please get a vaccine. Uh, you know, all this stuff. We didn't really have a lot of that. Just to it put just, a bow on it, yeah. And that's what a host will do next year. And I and, and that's what I want next year. Go back to being normal. Quit trying to to do this, this stuff without a host, don't care about PC culture, don't care about politically correct, don't care about you know this thing and that thing, don't care about it. Just, I mean, some of my favorite moments are from the hosts. I think Chris Rock is my favorite host to ever do it because he's honest. He's brutally honest. He he, you know, there are there are times where certain groups do not like him. You know, I'm not abdicating for Dave Chappelle or Jon Stewart to come back or Stephen Colbert or Tina Fey and Amy Poehler or whoever it, it needs to be. Um, or, you know, even The Rock or whoever, you know, so, or, or Hugh Jackman again. I'm just saying that it's part of a tradition. You broke so much tradition this year with this award season, uh, with this Oscars, by putting Best Picture third to last. 
That's a, that's disgraceful, an abomination, terrible. Everyone should be fired. Apologies should be made. Cats and dogs should not live together. I mean, it's 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 stupid. And this isn't the Grammys. This is the Oscars. You know, they can they can give out their album of the year via a telecast. You know, during Guns and Roses and Dua Lipa performing together or whatever. I don't know what the hell they do every year. I mean, this is weird shit. I'm not do. familiar with the Grammys. But, <laughs> I don't know what music That's is music, anymore. Right? Um, it's opera. But you you listed a lot of past hosts obviously and you have you obviously have this desire to get back on track and part of getting back on track for you would be to have a host in the future so assuming there is a more normal oscars next year do you have any specific person in mind you'd like to see take the helms there oh i mean you know i uh i mean that's really tough it's putting you on the spot you know i i i did sort of think the whole thing even though i don't you know obviously agree with the statements he made about the LGBTQ community. I thought the things with Kevin Hart, I thought that that's somebody that can bring in a lot of people to a telecast. Um, you know, uh, the rock can bring in a lot of people. He's the most electrifying man outside of me <laughs> in Oscars you, entertainment. All right. And, yeah. um, and I, I, but I also think too, like, you know, you could have, if he is sober, I think a John Mulaney would be great with it. Um, clearly he's a, a, a one of a kind talent. I think Bill Hader would do a wonderful job with it. I think, yeah, but not um, Melissa Villasenor playing John Mulaney. You, 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 you I'd, I'd that? take that too. I thought she did a, <laughs> I thought she did a pretty good job at the spirits. I think that that's it the thing good. too. The Oscars should take a page out of the spirits in like, they know how to make, she knew how to make fun of some of those funny, uh, those, uh, those dry movies there. Um, like how you can get jokes out of, you know, Minari and, nomad land and never really sometimes always and stuff like that. And you'd be able to do that and, and have confidence. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, have Chris rock come back. I mean, Whoopi works for ABC. You could do that. Kimmel, even just Kimmel, even Kimmel, Kimmel just knows what he's doing. And he, and he, and, and he's not the greatest one, but I mean, he, damn it. If that's all we have, I'll take Kimmel over nothing. I'm tired of not seeing this anymore. And, and it's truly something that's, a lot of this stuff could have been avoided with a host. A lot of it could have been avoided with not making changes. A lot of it could have also not looked ageism, racism, the, the whole thing, the messaging for this whole thing. It just, the whole ending was just stupid. I just, I need a drink. God, that's, <laughs> the Oscars <laughs> really did drive us to drink this year. And I wish, uh, I wish I had a, a hard cider or something i was right i now. didn't know how you were going to finish that sentence right there dang you were like a hard what mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i didn't know where you <laughs> were going to go then. darker but i just went <laughs> all of our minds are in the gutter with Glenn. yeah we're we are fried everyone <laughs> we're in deep so, fried maybe part of the problem i'm sure part of the problem at least mike and i had already touched on this previously with this year's group of films and those ratings was that it maybe wasn't the best well-known group of films uh for an Academy Awards slate. I, I know I had mentioned I watched with my brother. Mike watched with his family, and we were both getting a ton of questions as to like who's this, what movie was that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you were a big fan of this slate of movies. I know you and I see that a little differently, but I'm wondering if you can hype up what some of your favorites were, and we can get into how they did on the night. We know you were big fans of Anthony Hopkins, but what was it about the father? Where did you have the father ranked in your either year or your best picture field? What were some of your uh, highlights of this film year? Well, I think this year, uh, and I and I don't mean to be 
mean to you guys uh, in particular. You could be um, mean to one of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. So I'm not going to be mean to anybody. <laughs> I like being invited back on shows. Um, is um, I think the year was uh, in particular uh, strong for what it was, and given given the year, um, you know the the lineup for best picture. Um, I, I thought it was fairly solid. There wasn't a film in there I 100% said, God, I hate you. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch you again, uh, 1917. Um, so, uh, I, you know, so there's there's stuff, you know, marriage story. There's stuff like that, you know what I mean? Even though I liked last year's, I was still like, I'm never going to watch these movies again in the face of my life. Um, like, I just, I don't need to watch. I'll, I'd rather play a video game, guys, than watch a video game. And uh, I don't, uh, my parents yelled enough when I was a child. Um, so, um, <laughs> um, but day, we're learning a lot about one another. This, <laughs> is yeah, yeah. this is therapy bonding, whatever you want to call it. It's fantastic. Um, uh, I love the father. It wasn't, it wasn't my personal favorite of the lineup, uh, because, uh, but I, I, I remember seeing it in October and was, uh, I walked into it and I think we all have this every year where, um, I was like, man, you know, I, I, I'm just not going to, I think it's going to be Oscar bait or whatever. And. It's going to be old man Hopkins or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I walked out of it going, no, I was wrong. That's an amazing movie. That's the performance of the year. Uh, like why, the, why the hell did I, I doubt myself? Um, and, uh, but I loved Nomadland. I loved Minari. Um, I, I thought Minari was a beautiful film. Ended up being in my top five of the year, but my number two film of the year was Mank. I love mm-hmm. Mank. Um, I think Mank is a, a misunderstood film. I think people went into it wanting uh, behind the scenes of Citizen Kane rather than the making of the script of Citizen Kane mm-hmm. sort of subverts audiences expectations. David Fincher is a master at that. It's his most personal film to date, uh, working off the script from his father. Took him 30 years to make it. It is the ultimate shade film. I think, too, it's him like, you know, beating the hell out of the big studios that have scorned him for so many years. Um, it's, I think it's beautiful, impeccably acted. I think Gary Oldman, it's the best nomination he's ever had in his career. Uh, Oscar wise. I think it's better than darkest hour and, and, uh, Tinker Taylor soldier. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 I've come, come around on that movie. It's still a snooze fest. Um, and I thought it's being exchanged for three hours. I mean, like there's so much paperwork in there. You might as well call it the post. (laughs) Um, but, uh, no, I, and, uh, what were some, what are the other ones? Um, Minari. Minari, Yeah. Yeah. I I loved Minari. I think Lee Isaac Chung, you know, listening to the priest show stuff the other day, uh, talking about how he almost quit, um, you know, filmmaking. And I was just like, uh, don't you dare. Um, mm. because he, you're a, a promising young voice and speaking of promising, uh, promising young woman is a, is a film that I was, I was sold on it at first. And then I think as I've gone on and I've, I thought about it, the ending has just not stuck well with me. It's a movie that I just can't bide by because of its ending. And I think it falls apart. Um, but I am interested in seeing what Emerald Fennell does next. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think she has a tall order, uh, ahead of her. Uh, giving uh, all the love and praise from from fanboys and everything around the the um, the, the world. Uh, mm. Sound of Metal, fine film. I think it's more of a performances. It just wasn't like my greatest thing in the world. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I mean, that's that. It's it's almost like discount The Departed, but it's also got a wonderful performance from Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. who's who just totally deserved the Oscar. 
and I think he was supporting McKeith was uh, the lead actor of that film and I don't understand why he was nominated and then um, the movie everyone seems to hate right is Trial of Chicago 7 <laughs> and um, and I I like the film I think it's a, I think it's a good film I think it's very Sorkin-esque um, I, I didn't discuss I this was the discovery of the year for me guys I didn't know in, in a decade um, he became a hack um, because of you know, <laughs> for the last, for you know the the you know it was amazing to see at the beginning of the year the number one film on so many people's list was the Social Network, and then later in the year, uh, one of the worst movies of all time, evidently, yeah. is, is uh, the new Green Book is the Trial of Chicago Seven. It's just like <laughs> I don't think you guys fully understand what uh, what movies are if you're saying stuff like that. Um, but I, I don't think know it's who those I, people are. But I want them. <laughs> I want them spotlighted. I want uh, them hunted down. Moon, you want it moonlighted, spotlighted, <laughs> shape of watered. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, but no, I think I think it was an interesting year. I I'm gonna brag, if that's okay. If you don't mind me Please. bragging a little bit, it's a fun. We have, prohibit that on this show. No, <laughs> no, you're gonna get it. Um, I. I, I know it's not very nice to brag, especially about Best Actress, because everyone said, you can't really brag. And I'm like, well, I can, because I've been calling Frances McDormand since October, mm-hmm. and I've been called a fool by so many people, basically. No, it's a great and, call. And, and the fact of the matter is also, too, um, to everyone out there, um, I, I have all these tickets uh, to this mulligan train. That was supposed to start, <laughs> and it never and it never left the station. Just just pointing that out there, um, because um, I was told all season long that 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 was that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the destination, and I just never saw it um, because the film is divisive, um, and it it does not diminish what Carrie done or or what she has done in her career. She's a fantastic actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is not my problem with the film. It's more mm-hmm. of the script. Which is funny because then that ended up winning the Oscar. I'm That's just what saying, won okay, the Oscar, well, right? <laughs> you know, I'm not, but it, you don't hear me burning down Main Street over it. Like, it's just like, okay, you know, it is the most original concept of the group. Right. So I can't get mad at that either. I'm very much a, okay, the most original concept in the group usually should win. That's um, where I come but, in on it usually too, yeah. But Frances, she's, she's made her case for, for being the greatest living actress of all time right now. I mean, she's, she's made her case to be bigger than Meryl because. She's got the three lead actresses, plus she's making her own projects. The power of that woman is impressive, and so I'm very impressed with her. And then, oh, Yun. Yun Jun Young. I mean, oh, mm-hmm. my God. I just want, I wanted to hug her. I mean, I don't, have my, I don't have my grandmothers anymore, and I just want her. Can she adopt me? Can I be her, one of those sons that doesn't think she should work? Um, like, so... Um, I think it's a great year of winners, guys. I think we should be we should be happy with these winners. This might be the strongest actor lineup we've had in years in terms of uh, across the board. Also, yeah. to the winners, the four winners were my number one winners of the prefer- uh, personal, and I think that they um, they truly represent some great, great, great performances of their of their respective careers and of the year. It, it was certainly a performance year. Uh, and uh, you, you said that on our show in the fall Oscars report. I mean, you were hyping up those categories quite a bit. We had battle royales in lead actress, in, in lead actor. <laughs> we talked about Frances McDormand on your show quite a bit as well. 
And yeah, you deserve you deserve the credit for being on that mm-hmm. pick all along in the most wide open. I'm gonna do the butt. Here. I'm gonna do the butt. Okay. <laughs> Someone is doing the butt right now. Somebody's doing the butt. I'm gonna do the butt. Sorry. Shockingly, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, I think I think I do want to hone in on Hopkins for a second because we we kind of went into the McDormand angle for a while on your show and, and talked through that one. Again, it's a shame that that the prophecy fulfilled of the inclusion rider speech didn't happen at the end of this oscars instead they tried to get cute but i do want to talk about it from this angle because you, you've been following this and, and, and another person that you've been touting up all year starting with our show or maybe not starting with our show but early in the season on our show has been anthony hopkins like you said and anthony hopkins to you was the performance of the year and yet he did not attend these oscars I was getting texts this morning from family members saying that Hopkins didn't want to defeat a fallen hero in Bozeman. He decided not to attend for that reason. He wanted to travel the world, was the rumor last week. You mentioned uh, something that you you read and found out about Hopkins and the Zoom angle. We did not cover that on MMO. Why didn't Hopkins attend to your knowledge and... What do you think? What do you think was the dominoes that happened over you know Anthony Hopkins just doing that acceptance speech from Wales uh, on, a, on a shiny whatever morning over there uh, on, online instead of last night during the show? Well, one Anthony Hopkins is the epitome of class uh, personified through his uh, acceptance speech. He's eighty-three years old guys i mean he's not a spring chicken we are uh and i'm, I'm sorry to break this to everybody I, I didn't know if this was in the news or anything uh in the middle still of a pandemic <laughs> a global pandemic i don't know nobody um, was wearing masks last night i don't know they well they were all they were all tested we all know that um but i think the thing is is that there has been almost this terrible narrative to make Anthony Hopkins the villain for not showing up. And I think that that's um, distasteful to Anthony Hopkins um, and to uh, his performance because um, now this is my personal opinion. Obviously everyone else is different. Um, I, I don't think I owe uh, this much credit to the win. Um, I'd like to think that, the voters just voted with their heart with this one. Um, there was a lot of rumblings uh, speaking with, you know, my friends, uh, Joey Magnuson over at awards radar, speaking with Matt Negley over at next best picture, uh, listening to Clayton Davis, listening uh, over at variety, uh, you know, Will Mavity of next best picture and, and many more in between uh, and the great Ann Thompson um, who uh, had some of the anonymous ballots from the Academy. Yeah. And I don't, necessarily ever take them into consideration but Mm -hmm. i do take them into consideration for the fact that if they start saying the same thing a lot and the the consistent thing seemed to be chadwick's going to win so i voted for anthony hopkins Mm. and that and that's what happened to the majority of those ballots to why it almost was like a two to one margin in terms of Hopkins having the vote 
And that's a small sample size. You can't take it into giant consideration. But if their friends talk to their friends and it's what I've been told throughout this entire year, which the voting body itself is primarily not going to vote as big as they usually do because of the fact that they're trying to work or COVID or all these different things in Mm -hmm. between that plays well into an upset. But then also too, BAFTA, he won the BAFTA. It get everyone is sort of like let's at that point steamrolling Chadwick. Um, and we have had the speeches from his wife, and they've been very elegant and very nice and respectful. I think that the voters, though, they finally got to see the father because it was nominated and overperformed on the Oscar morning. The BAFTA showed that it's okay to give Anthony Hopkins a win you know, in the award season, spread a little bit of the wealth. But I think that gave a lot of Oscar voters then the ability to say, okay, if he can win BAFTA, I think I can vote for him for Oscar too. Mm -hmm. And then those are the BAFTA voters, which are strong along with SAG, which I mean, let's face it. He was probably second in every single other race, um, you know, at, at SAG and at um, most likely critics choice, or maybe Riz was probably Critics' Choice, and then he was probably third, but then Golden Globe as well. And so you have to start factoring in that and start thinking, okay, if he's second and then he gets this late bump, does he get in? Absolutely. I think that that's – and then I think that it's fair. I don't think it's malicious. I don't think it's um, – I think it's also the tea leaves. We should have seen it coming because when Hopkins beat him, we should have said, okay, well, then Chadwick's not a sweeper like Daniel Kaluuya. He didn't have a Best Picture nomination which is big um, in in a year of, you know, it's seeming to be when you look at the winners, a lot of the best pictures. Bozeman, nominees. you're talking about, you're talking about Bozeman. You're not, I'm talking you're about Bozeman. Hopkins. Yes. Right, yes. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Sorry. My bad. Um, Bozeman and didn't have a lot of the things that you would need to 100% surely pick it. But I think a lot of us just ended up picking Chadwick because we're like, well, there's just no way. Like, and I think that that's the other thing too with Anthony Hopkins He's 83 years old. He has autism, which was discovered on uh, on Twitter, and, and it was revealed uh, from from a lot, from sources that I trust. Um, he wants to be around his family. He wants to be safe. He's the oldest now best actor winner of all time. Yeah. Um, it it he doesn't need to go to this. His age bracket would be affected by COVID the most if he can take if he if he got this, and he's not going to go to London. Uh, because that's like 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning or whatever it would have been. It would have been a ridiculous hour. He's not going to fly all the way across the country. And then it was, yes, reported um, that by the trades that the producers told him he could not do Zoom. And I think that that's... I think that then at that point, you cannot be disrespectful to Anthony Hopkins because he's being disrespected by the same people that are trying to hope predict... Uh, Chadwick Boseman into existence by setting everything up. Uh, they shouldn't do that. They should have just, like I said, had actor, actress, picture. That should have been the end of the night. Uh, instead, it, it caused this controversy. It makes people think that Anthony Hopkins is the bad guy. He's not the bad guy. It's the producers. It's the Academy for pushing this in that direction. He has every right to, to stay at home. Um, you know, He stayed at home last year. When he was nominated for the two popes, nobody said mm-hmm. anything then. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I think it's OK. And I think that there shouldn't be any ill will towards this win. 
It's a deserved win. It's a great win. It's better than any win in the last decade. This is the best, best actor win, in my opinion, since Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. Period. Wow. And that's how strong the film is. That's how strong he is. It pulled it after the screenplay. It has love within the Academy. Um, and yes, I, I, I do feel for Chadwick's widow. I feel for all, all of his fans that they sort of got uh, roped into this bamboozled event. Um, it's terrible. Shame on them. They should apologize. Um, they should apologize to Anthony Hopkins as well. Mm-hmm. Because he, you know he's not sitting well with this win. And I think also the other factor that we're not talking, that I haven't mentioned either, is I don't think he went because I don't think he was going to actually win. He didn't really campaign that hard. Um, you know, he, he didn't go to any of the other telecasts mm-hmm. and or, or via Zoom. He had chances to Zoom at those, and he didn't do those either. He sort of was going to do a Francis where he was going to show up for the Oscars and Oscars only. Mm-hmm. And because Francis did the same thing and nobody got mad at her all year. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's a lot of emotions. And I think people have got to also realize it's just awards and, <laughs> and that Chadwick Bozeman's legacy is not defined by if he won that Oscar last night or not. It's already cemented as an icon within not just the black community, but within film and within the culture, the American culture. He is Black Panther and will always be T'Challa, will always be that symbol for so many kids, so many people. Um, Anthony Hopkins, him winning it, it doesn't help his legacy either. He's still one of the great actors, great thespians of our time. If we're going to talk about an African-American actor that would have benefited legacy wise from a nomination it would have been delroy lindo for defy bloods that's someone that really could have used a nomination or an oscar to yeah. cement his legacy as a, a a great great world-renowned actor not to say that he is and he won't be remembered as one but in the terms of the cultural zeitgeist and chadwick boseman is chadwick boseman there's not mm-hmm. many people that are walking around with the name chadwick boseman he will forever be Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, James Brown, Black Panther, and now he'll be Levy. And he'll be, like Heath Ledger, a, a soul um, that, that was gone too soon. And Ledger didn't have to win for The Dark Knight. He just he got lucky because that category was weak. And, and that's the truth. You you spent a lot of time talking about Hopkins, which kind of became this shifting sea change in, in route to him finally winning on Oscars Sunday, irrespective of how it was handled by the producers on the show. I'm wondering about Nomadland in the best picture category. I mean, you, you had one of our favorite quotes where you called uh, Trial of Chicago 7 the Joe Biden compromise candidate type thing, and that's <laughs> that made us chuckle. We're, we're kind of wondering if you had the wrong movie, but the right rationale. How do you see how Nomadland won? Do you think it won on the straight vote? Do you think it went to preferential? Uh, what was your view on how Nomadland pulled off the best picture win? For me personally, I think it got the 50% threshold. Um, I don't think that there was many rounds for this one. Um, mm. It was beloved the entire year. Um, there was never any doubt. When it won PGA, I, I knew at that point it was it was over. Um 
you know, I, I, I saw a trial just because of the fact that it had a political, it, it felt like we were going to have a politically safe film, um, sort of like Argo, um, you know, sort of like, um, you know, uh, but, but then also too, we, we had Slumdog, uh, after, um, I believe after Obama was put in, if not, I'm mistaken. Um, but I, um, you know, I think that, you know, if a certain orange person was reelected, I think <laughs> that a movie like Judas and the Black Messiah or uh, if the five bloods was in there, that would have won because it would have been an angry, it would have been very angry. Also too, what Regina King said also with uh, everything that happened with, with George Floyd and um, Black Lives Matter protests and, and the verdict and everything that made for also a better Oscar too. It didn't make it um, sort of angry in the room. Sigh of relief for everyone indeed, mm-hmm. um, though the justice is not done yet. And so ultimately I think that the reason why Nomadland, I don't think it was the Joe Biden thing. That was always trials thing. I mean, it just, it always felt like that. It felt like the safe pick. Right. But the thing about Nomadland that I started to realize as the season was going on and why people were picking it is because they related to it because it's a movie about isolationism and we're living in isolation and it's about loneliness and the, the choice to be lonely and sort of serve it as almost like a penance for Fern in the film. And then also find the beauty in a world where, you know, everyone's very distant and, and everyone's very far away and all you really have is yourself and you're traveling around this beautiful country that we have and we're exploring things that we don't get to see. And, and you know, and I think that that's, that's universal. It is a very universal film. It is quiet. There's no, there's no stretch of the imagination that it's not, but it's a more accessible version of something that we've seen from Chloe Zhao in the writer, because you have something, you have someone like Francis McDormand who is able to navigate that film for you. And so you're able to, to be in there with Fern and, and, and it's a sad film. There's no question about it, but it's beautiful and it's touching. Um, you know, I know that there was the controversies with Amazon and them trying to derail the, sh- you know, the, the, the train. And if it can fight off stupid stuff like that, then that shows how strong it is. Mm. Right. And, um, you know, also, uh, you know, also ex- extreme, you know, it also being a COVID film also, it, it also had the narrative of, you know, this was a, a, a film directed by a, a, a woman of Asian descent. And, and yet she was a beaming light of positivity in a world where Asian discrimination is on a high. Mm-hmm. And she showed us a world where, I mean, her speech up there at, at the, at the Oscars, where she talked about these, these people in this world that she's never met before showing her love and, 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 um, and kindness and saying that we should have more of that in this world. It's a wonderful message for hate that's going on through multiple channels and multiple countries and multiple cities um, through various different, you know, races. And it just, at the end of the day, it felt right. And, Hmm. uh, and, and it has the message too of with opening up theaters or the world or whatever, we'll see you down the road. Like that's a simple, beautiful message. Oh, I like that. That's very poetic. Someone should mean? say that at the end of award speeches. That really works. <laughs> you mean, you, no, we're you mean being uh, lit. it's simple and, po- and poetic, uh, like the movie, uh, and it's and it's beautiful. Uh, 
I'm injecting glibness into your beautiful, <laughs> beautiful speeches here because I'm just a, a shabby person. Oh, but look no, it, you're fine. I, uh, I, I had a blast talking through a lot of movies with you in the fall, which was a, a cool kind of preview special in many ways because the season was kind of kicking up. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to watch how this slate of movies got a few additions at the end and we wound up with this Best Picture 8, right? And, and we, we talked about a lot of categories on your show. We focused on uh, on some of the bigger ones on this Fallout episode. And I'm wondering how we shake out the power rankings for Best Picture right now. And for, for like, the night Ooh. as a whole. Because this is... This is something Mike and I like to do. You can't be wrong. It's a hypothetical. And I, I just, I, I'm wondering how you take those eight and, and you look at the whole card and you look at, I mean, do you, you, you don't have to go through all eight, but I'm wondering if you have a top four because there, there are some people out there that are, and, and, and I think you, you kind of tease this uh, on both our shows. Now they're blending together. I don't know where Chasing the Gold ends and Mike, Mike and Oscar begin. It's still Saturday, right? We're in the butt, basically. <laughs> it's a human centipede of podcasting right now between the three of us. And yeah. I think I have to get to the point with this question. Okay. I'm wondering what you think the top four was, at least, because we, we had the Vegas odds that we're covering all year. But, you know, we talked about the late breakers of The Father and Judas and the Black Messiah. We had some movies that had passionate fan bases on Twitter, like Minari and Promising Young Woman. And yet, they only had one win on the night. We had this assumed second place challenger in the trial of the Chicago seven. And I've been wondering all along. I mean, look, I mean, we we're not the biggest fans of that movie, but I, I was shouting, uh, I, I was standing up on the table for the trial of Chicago seven. Yes. Yesterday or whenever that we recorded, but I was, I was, I wanted the trial of Chicago seven to be an Oscar winner. I wanted it to win mm-hmm. editing. Cause I thought it had the best editing on the year and I wouldn't have begrudged mm-hmm. that. I, I thought it should have won the, some of the best sound on the year. Everybody thinks I hate sound of metal. Now I don't, but how do you view these power you. rankings? <laughs> how do you view these power rankings here in best picture? What, what do you look at? Do you look at this whole slate and think that this question is erroneous or do you think, do you think, like, in terms of the strength and how these movies played with the Academy, what can what can we learn from the top four or five? Well, I would not want to be Kevin Jacobson, um, who runs the <laughs> podcast uh, and the runner-up is exactly, and try, right? and try to and try to figure this out. Uh, that's for Kevin. That's sort of Kevin's job, but uh, I can do this for him if he's listening. Kevin, I love you. You're a wonderful <laughs> guest, wonderful friend. Um, you know, I, I think. Going into the night, we all said that the runner-up was Trial of the Chicago 7. I think you can make the argument, even without the wins, that it was still second. Um, you know, because it would finish second in screenplay, would finish second in most likely editing. Um, you know, it, it. I don't think it would finish. I mean, I mean it may finish second or third in supporting actor. Um, we just don't, we'll never know those things. Um, I think that Obviously, Nomadland is one because it won. <laughs> uh, so chalk that Safe one up. Start, that was it. Yeah. That was easy. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, I think that, I think this. I think that the father is number two, wow. and I think it's because of the fact that people saw it late. The love for that's real. To turn that, it's not just 
Hopkins, you have to remember it won adapted screenplay against the film that won best picture. That's a huge thing. And it used to be that if you're in this race and if you're maybe the runner up or something like that, you got to win a screenplay editing or screenplay. You got to have that. Mm -hmm. And it it did get nominated in editing too. And you have to think about where the hell was Coleman? Like how, how high was she? Was it actually Maria Bakalova in second or was it Olivia Coleman? And how far was Florian Zeller from getting nominated for Best Director? These are things that you have to sort of consider because obviously they wanted to reward him for something for his film. Mm. So I think I think that's two. Um, I do think Judas and the Black Messiah was three. Um, Kaluuya, that was such a that was such a strong film. Uh, the song win uh, showed love in a, in a tech branch. We've seen that you can win. You know, you can win two like that as long as you also have a, a supporting actor or play in there and mm-hmm. um, and everything. I think that that's three. And I'm going to go out on a limb with four. I know this is going to be a controversial thing to say and everything. Um, and I know everyone's going to go out there and want to say that Promising Young Woman was four because it won its screenplay. Mm-hmm. I would have said that if Carrie Mulligan won. Because then, obviously, I actually think at that point it would be three mm-hmm. um, because it had the same trajectory as the father. Um, and you sort of have a 2A, 2B situation there. I think Mank was four. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, the, and that's sort of crazy to say that because ten the 10 knobs and then the next film after that was six. Um. <sighs> It won that cinematography one, mm-hmm. and that was a big win. Production design, big mm-hmm. win. Um, that assumes then that David Fincher was in second place. I'd, I don't know how far up it would be because a lot of ballots on the anonymous seem to not like the film, but there was you know, a passions in its different tech categories and stuff. I do think Promising Young Woman was right up there mm-hmm. with them. Sort of, it's very hodgepodgey. I know for a fact, every though, every, even though I love Minari and I think it's a wonderful film, it had no shot. Um, yeah. You know, it was, and and I don't think Sound of Metal did either. I think it was happy to get the the wins that it got. Um, and then Trial, I mean, based off wins, Trials and Dead Last, but I was still sitting there as we were getting to Best Picture, and I was like, oh, we're gonna have the Grand Hotel if this thing wins and it's because of the fact that it won SAG ensemble. I and that's a big, out. that's a big thing. And to sit there and, you know, so, uh, you know, I think I, I, I'm not confident really in a lot of them because it's, you can, you can make the arguments with the wins and without the wins. I think you have to make them with the wins. I think if you're saying them without the wins, that's sort of, that's you're then hope predicting again, which is terrible. Um, and just, just come on now. Look at the wins and, and play that out in your head. Um, and where those usually those categories lie, like cinematography, usually when that you're usually winning director, right? That's why we all had No Man Land sort of winning that. So mm. that that sort of puts the edge in Fincher, which I felt that was the other thing. Eric Messersmith, great win. I felt so bad for David Fincher. He looks so sad. Mm. He looks so sad, so angry. Like the man was turned into a villain this year. 
like uh, I just you know it, it felt like film Twitter it felt like the world just didn't want to celebrate him that movie is going to get so much love I think by the end of this next decade I think they're going to Fincher has rewatchability with his movies people will see it they'll watch it and then they'll go oh it's great and then I'm going to tell them all no you don't get to love it. That's it's fascinating bullshit. to learn. That's really this fascinating. Is my movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get you out of here on this, and we can't thank you enough for uh, going these back to back recordings, back to back episodes uh, with us on your feed there on In Session and here on MMO. Absolutely. But look, Mike and I have spoken numerous times about our worry for the future of theaters and the theatrical experience. Uh, we discussed on your podcast and you revealed that you're probably more positive and more bullish on the f- of the future of the theatrical experience than we are. Uh, kind of a, a double-pronged question, but one, how do you think the Academy did handle the theatrical experience? Should they have done more and what should they have done? And two, pitch us a little hope. Try to tell us why we should be joining you up there in the optimistic uh, suite as to why we you think the theatrical experience is going to come back stronger than ever. Well, I know you've had guests on before. Um, that have talked about wanting to go back to the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been here in San Antonio. They've been open this entire pandemic. Um, and they didn't, and it was all social distant and, and there was 25% and, and, and at times it was 35%, but it was, it never got over that threshold. I think it's now at 50 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing, my thing about it was, is you have to set your expectations, so with these box office numbers with like Godzilla versus Kong, these are extraordinary box office numbers. These, these really are. Given the fact that Regal's not open yet, AMC's barely opening back up, you know, you have Alamo Drafthouse and small places like that and Arclight and, you know, struggling to keep the lights on. And yet it's still made, what, like 50? It's, it's crossed $100 million here in the United States. That's a huge win. Given that they're not 100% capacities yet in those theaters, people aren't 100% vaccinated, but the vaccination numbers are going up and up and up. The numbers for uh, COVID are, are going down. I hope they stay down. Love God. I hope they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've been to theaters. I saw Tenet in theaters. I saw it uh, once in, in an actual theater, once in a drive-in. Um, I wore a mask uh, in the theater, and it was a, a great experience. Had a lot of anxiety, obviously, through it because it was the first time I went to the right, theater in a sure. long time. but. Once people get over it, um, I mean, there is nothing like seeing a movie on the big screen. And Francis McDormand said it best. I hope to see a lot of these films get re-released so that we can see them on the big screen, so that these films can make some money, so that these directors, these talents can get their next films financed um, by studios, uh, not just based off Oscar wins. Um, I do think that the streaming is a part of the future, but is not the whole future because you cannot get in streaming instantly on a weekend two, three, four, five hundred million dollars like you can overseas and in America. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the minute a Marvel movie releases in a theaters, we're back in business. Mm. I mean, that's really how it is. And people will have to be safe. They'll have to be smart. Um, as for the Academy and embracing theaters, I think they did a horrible job. I think they, they didn't really address any of that or the pandemic or anything they tried to make it feel, they, they did it two handed. They tried to make it feel like it didn't exist. Like let's just celebrate the night and enjoy the films. But then they also really didn't celebrate the theater 
going experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe a host could have done that, or maybe they could have had segments or whatnot, but um, they have to embrace the movie theaters. So do the studios. So do audiences again. They have to have trust. And look, if you're able to go to a bar and you're able to go to a restaurant and you're able to go to a baseball game and I just went to a spring football game for my Longhorns and if you're able to do all these things, you're able to do all these things outdoors, indoors, whatever, at these dining locations and whatnot, you can go to a movie theater because you'll be fine. If you're vaccinated and you are comfortable, go. And But the problem is nothing's really playing yet. So besides, you know, Mortal Kombat and, and Godzilla vs. Kong, the studios need to just start releasing movies again. People will go. And we have to have faith in, in getting back to normalcy. And I know that sounds crazy and people are scared. And that's fine. It's, it's okay to be scared. But also, too, it's okay to go back and live your life a little bit. And just social distance, wear a mask, take hand sanitizer, do the right thing. You'll be okay. Like, I have, I have trust. And I think that that's the thing is you live your life in fear and then fear is all you will get. And so, and and so how do you counteract that? You have to rise above it, have courage, have hope, and ultimately everything will be okay. A lot of wisdom and poetry coming out of you for this recording. It's, just, it's an all unfair right, ground right, for what right, you usually get in my fucking Oscar. But uh, Ryan McQuaid, In Session Film, uh, thank you once again, buddy. Why don't you go ahead and pitch yourself, working all the good listeners out there as if they don't know already, find your work. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan McQuaid 77 I am the associate editor and awards editor over at In Session Film. I do a podcast for In Session Film, which is uh, Extra Film, which we talk about uh, a movie series as well as the latest indie films that we don't have for on our main show. We are right now in the middle of a Gore Verbinski movie series talking about Mm. uh, the great Gore Verbinski. Um, We are just about to start talking about the pirate film, so I'm very excited about that. Um, I also host Chasing the Gold, which is our Oscar podcast over there. Um, and I, you can hear these two knuckleheads as well as many other wonderful <laughs> guests, uh, and, you know, invade your earbuds. Uh, I'm also, I do, I'm a writer over at, uh, filmspeak.net over at, uh, awardsradar.com. I do their podcast occasionally. Um, and then I am also a, uh, Rotten Tomatoes approved critic over at awards watch for the great Eric Anderson. Uh, I have reviews come in and out through there and, uh, it is always a pleasure to talk to Mike, Mike and Oscar. These guys, you guys are the best. I, I love listening to your show. I'm, I'm so honored to, to be your friend. We made it through this year, guys. Likewise, and, buddy. And we're going we're gonna to find a way, damn it. We're going to be in a movie theater. We're going to do what <laughs> Francis said, shoulder to shoulder in a dark, a dark room. And I'm hoping that dark room is a, a movie theater. Whether, and, there's a, um, yeah, whether there's a screen or not. Whether there's a screen or not. <laughs> there'll be a projector, all right. And, um, and but... We'll, we'll get through this, and uh, first round's on me. Can't that wait, buddy. Love to hear phenomenal. it. Thank you once again for joining us. Guys, uh, for our socials, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We can You can hear us. You can hear In Session. You can hear Chasing the Gold wherever you hear podcasts, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, that app, listening to any of us, if you would be so kind once you're done giving Ryan and company five stars to give us a five-star review as well. Michael, any words of wisdom to go out on here? 
listen to the In Session Film podcast, everything Ryan said uh, in terms of uh, following him and his great work. And uh, this is a... This is a labor of love for all of us. I know we're doing it for the love of the game, uh, Ryan, uh, but you really do love the game, and it, it is contagious. Yeah, and we optimism. love you for it, man. Yeah, your optimism <laughs> is incredible, and uh, we don't choose to be curmudgeons at times, but uh, we, we, we do uh, we do. Go he to doesn't. I have town. a motif to keep up. <laughs> yeah, you, you do have a persona. But, uh, like, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, love ta- I love getting you on here, bud, and... Yeah. Um, we uh, we had a blast on chasing the gold as well. So thank you, man. Uh, in terms of what's coming next from us, we have all kinds of preview stuff. We got a Fast and Furious thing. We got uh, Mike. We got a lot of stuff that we we pitched better in the last episode. But this is the third recording. We have of sleep. Oscars Monday, and I, I am just so caffeinated right now that I hope I can sleep. How about <laughs> you guys? How, what, what, before we go, can we just take the temperature? How are you feeling physically? That both of you. I'm I'm gonna get some sleep, uh, and I'm gonna eat. <laughs> My wife's making dinner right now. Shout Beautiful. out to her. She's such the most understanding person on the planet. Oh God um, bless her. And uh, I'm 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 gonna sleep, sleep. Maybe write a review actually before I go to bed and go to sleep. <laughs> oh my God, so, you're a champion. Yeah, I'm gonna edit this episode, and I'll have it done sometime in mid-August. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. You know, you know what? We're gonna blink. Can's going to come around the corner. We're going to start about the next season. <laughs> yeah. And can't wait. And, that's, and that sounds great. And it also f- sounds really dirty. So, <laughs> and, and horrifying at the same great time. And dirty. That should yeah. be the new motto of uh, 2021. <laughs> I was going to say the new motto of Mike, Mike and Oscar <laughs> <laughs> guys. When reality sucks, you can come wrap up the Oscars with us. We are Mike, say Mike and motto, Oscar. <laughs> Great and dirty. Great. We're great and dirty at Mike, Mike, and Oscar <laughs> trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. The butt. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.